Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diane Times here. That's right, we're talking about a TV show. Uh, we've, we're talking about Baywatch Nights again <laughs> on Kill by Kills TV Terrors. Well, greetings and salutations in this world pal. Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the scientifically advanced place on Earth, the port of San Pedro. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where usually we talk about horror movie characters and the order in which they die. But of course, on our off weeks, we talk about a horror-related episode of a TV show, and we have returned, perhaps foolishly, to the <laughs> second season of Baywatch Nights uh, to discuss more about this off-duty lifeguard who the United States government black books has decided is the perfect person to <laughs> chase after a fucking Viking. Um, but we will get to that. Of course, there's only one person that I trust to thaw me out centuries later using, let me check my notes again, <laughs> computers. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Computers and the strobe light. Don't, 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 the, the strobe light is an essential piece of equipment. It really is. That and a lot of fog machines happening <laughs> and, and a lot of ADR, which we will get to. We will get to that ADR. But I don't want to scare you, Gina. We are not alone. That's right. It's rare for TV terrors, but we have a special guest. Now, he is, of course, a celebrated author <laughs> and writer whose books include Weird Al, the book You Don't Know Me, But You Don't Like Me, and his latest, The Joy of Trash, the Flaming Garbage Fire Extended Edition, which is out now. He is the one. He is the only Nathan Rabin. How are you doing today, Nathan? I am doing fantastic, and I welcome any opportunity to talk about the television miracle that is Baywatch Nights. <laughs> this I feel is like true. There should I'm... be a smoky saxophone solo right here <laughs> for atmosphere. There, yes, it does confuse uh, sexy sax with <laughs> scariness. And as Gina noted to me uh, while I was driving home, there also appears to be a screech that appears uh, when Baywatch Nights, the title card, comes on the screen for some random reason. They're like, <laughs> Now, you guys probably haven't thought about this because it's kind of subtle, but I mm -hmm. noticed a little bit of a resemblance between this season of Baywatch Nights and the show The X-Files. Hmm. Am I crazy? Or is there like maybe a little bit of an inspiration going on? Uh, there is certainly inspired. I mean, it does not have that back bacony smell of Canada, which I think is required <laughs> for real X-Files. Um, it's very San Pedro based, which is <laughs> more X-Files post season six. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, I, it is mystifying that they made the decision, and then <laughs> as I as I texted Gina yet again, they seem to have watched an episode of X Files and go, <laughs> "Any idiot can do this," and then it turns out any idiot cannot do no. this. As this episode consists of people walking in a full fucking circle back to the same warehouse they started in. And that's the episode. <laughs> I just gave you a plot breakdown of this. Well, this, well, this compensates uh, for what 
X-Files always lacked, which was constant Dutch angles <laughs> for for no reason. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, clearly this is just a thing they always did because the other episode we watched, uh, Space Four, which is mm-hmm. like an actual episode of the X-Files compared to this one, mm-hmm. um, they had that. And, and the camera never stops wobbling. It's it's it is it's like a seasick camera. Did you either of you see Triangle of Sadness? Uh, I have not. No. Is it okay. like they watch nights? It is not, <laughs> but but there is a scene in which uh, the yacht is hitting um, some uh, some bad weather, and the camera starts kind of drifting back and forth to kind of give the impression of you know what it's like to be on the ship. And you feel a little sick to your stomach watching it, and mm. that's that's pretty much what I felt like here. It, I why doesn't it? Why doesn't the camera ever stop moving? I now I just want everyone in the audience to make note of this: that you know, <laughs> film critic Gina Radcliffe <laughs> has compared Oscar-nominated <laughs> Triangle Sadness to <laughs> season two of Baywatch Nights, and I am here to say. <laughs> She's right. There is is all, all, the motif is I'm in a tiny boat holding a camera constantly, <laughs> and I just don't like. I don't know how they kept whispering in the cameraman's ear, "Wobble more, drink more gin." At just, just, I don't know what sway, that's about. Sway, 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 keep swaying. <laughs> we have to make sure this very closed off uninteresting room seems more interesting by making it rock slightly and occasionally the camera's still but it's the riddler's lair like outside of batman no one has cantilevered a camera quite like baywatch nights season two was it like this in season one nathan uh, again, I think that they are very, very different. It's not just like they're different styles. They inhabit different universes. Uh, the thing <laughs> okay. that's kind of fascinating to me about Baywatch Nights, which had lots of money, mm-hmm. uh, the idea was that David Hasselhoff literally was the most watched man in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were ostensibly over a billion viewers of Baywatch. And he got bored because, you know, David Hasselhoff, he's an artist. Sure. Uh, I'm surprised he wasn't. And a Viking, apparently. Oh, totally, totally. You know, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. It's uh, it's unfulfilling creatively for me to Mm -hmm. run around on a beach, for me to look at boobs. Uh, You need to do something for me, or I'm going to bolt for movies. I'm going to have a a shelf full of Oscars. This is going to be wonderful. So, in the Uh first season of Baywatch Nights, the only monster was David Hasselhoff's ego. Yeah, right. Uh, and his desire to play the coolest, sexiest guy in the world. And I sort of said in my book, uh, The um, Joy of Trash, a Flaming Garbage Fire Edition, uh, the first season of Baywatch Nights is kind of like if Joe Camel uh, had created a television show. <laughs> uh, it would basically be Baywatch Nights. And then the other you know, sort of comparison I have right is it's like the episode of uh, the spinoff episode mm-hmm. of The Simpsons, okay. uh, where, where Chief Wiggum uh, becomes a sexy, sexy private eye sure. uh, in yep. New Orleans. So you kind of bring those two ideas together and you have David Hasselhoff in the lead and you create something that is transcendent and wonderful and also has a, a real early house of blues vibe because that was very very <laughs> not cool. late house of blues vibe. <laughs> no when, a very when very it was early. underground when, you're when, saying. when house of blues was cool 
before the crystal vodka <laughs> money started flowing oh, exactly. in the house of before blues. house of blues sold out sure you know? <laughs> and that was the other thing they too is they had like all of these blues musicians mm-hmm. and they were all eight-year-old white australian kids because <laughs> they're like blues only music the best it's for white children who has sure. suffered more than adorable white children uh, <laughs> and it had lou rawls which was really amazing and then mm-hmm. yeah the first season it's it fucking tanked because it turned out what people wanted from baywatch was to look at boobs yeah uh and then and the other thing that david hasselhoff uh I know way too much about David Hasselhoff, in part because I read his memoir, Don't Hassle the Hoff, yeah. uh, which is hilarious, hilariously <laughs> self aware. And he basically gives himself credit for ending the Cold War and sure. bringing down uh, the Berlin Wall. Yeah. He's like, yeah, complete credit for it, but. 70% of the credit, yes. Uh, and then it just, it just, it just fucking tanked. They're like, well, we sunk so much money into this. David House was so popular. This is such a franchise. We need to do something to make it relevant again. What's popular? What's on the air? And they saw the X-Files. And they mm. said, we can do that. And David Hasselhoff can be David Duchovny. <laughs> Their first names are David. They're both actors, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and that it didn't it didn't quite uh, play out that way. But there are so many things that I love about this. One of which is Angie Harmon, who I think is the best part. <laughs> if I can give her the <laughs> faintest praise in the world, she's far and away the best part of Baywatch Night yeah, season one say, and season a- two. Uh, <laughs> and again, this is some this is legitimately something that happened mm-hmm. when she was discovered by David Hasselhoff. She was literally a 22-year-old model who had never acted before. Yeah. And David Hasselhoff ran into her on a plane, which is weird, because why is David Hasselhoff flying commercial? Uh, (laughs) And said, hey, has anybody told you you're a beautiful woman and you should be acting? And she's like, I'm not going to give you a blowjob. Please leave me alone. And he's like, no, I legitimately am the executive producer and star of the show Baywatch Nights. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing to me that she had no acting experience whatsoever and was barely old enough to drink and was literally young enough to be David Hasselhoff's uh, daughter. <laughs> and yet she acts circles around him. And also, like, it's idiotic that in this incarnation of the show, she's a scientist. Question yeah, mark. I, mean, I guess because she's got to have that Jillian Anderson vibe. But yes. she pulls it off because she has that sexy, smart, uh, vaguely robotic, <laughs> yet charismatic quality that Jillian Anderson has. It helps I, that her voice sounds like a 15-year-old stoner who just, you know, just hotboxed in a Ford Nova. That's true. Well, you know, she, <laughs> she, uh, she took over for uh, Stocker Channing. Uh, as as, uh, as Barbara Gordon in uh, in Batman Beyond. Yes, uh, and that is that is a one hell of an acting role, uh, right. particularly when you're literally a 23 year old model who has been acting for about eight months. Uh, the thing is that yes, she does act. You know, she is a better actor than. David Hasselhoff. But to Although say David Hasselhoff the, is a better David Hasselhoff than true. anybody else. He's better but, at, he's like that Bruce Campbell, William Shatner thing where he's <laughs> so great at being himself sure. that you don't want him to play anything else. And that's another where, where season two screws up and that they expect you to be scared of anything involving David Hasselhoff and not to just <laughs> chuckle uproariously because he's a fucking clown. And after yeah. this failed, he's like, okay, I'm only ever going to make fun of myself yes. or play a lifeguard. Those are the 
the only do- or I'm going to be on uh you know Mr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on Broadway. Uh, the musical. The well, a musical I saw and seared into my ear, <laughs> ear, ear balls and eye holes. Um to say that acting better than David Hasselhoff is an easy bar to clear. <laughs> doesn't convey how low that bar is because if you go any lower, you have to step over graves. So there's that. Um, And I just, this is uh, this episode in particular, because when we watched the first episode of Baywatch nights, you immediately reached out and said, if you cover another one, (laughs) let me know. And that seemed like a challenge to Gina and I, and we're like, we're not, we're not not going to watch another episode <laughs> of Baywatch Nights. And now that we've watched two, we do blame you for that. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah, like, I've paid yeah. for your books with real money, and this is how you paid me back. <laughs> I, I, I curse the day God gave me eyes. <laughs> well, I'd like to say that this is is one hour of the stupidest things I've ever seen, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a 46 year old man uh, who has made his living writing and experiencing things that are uh, objectively terrible. I've gone on the Kid Rock Chill in the Most Cruise. Uh, I've seen Gallagher perform live, uh, and I was astonished at what an incredibly stupid, insulting yet kind of amazing piece of entertainment this hour of network television was. So, or syndicated television. Syndicated. Yeah, please. King of let's, syndication, baby. Well, it's not sully the, the name of the UPN, which this could have been. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Nathan, because you have seen more episodes than I, I have. I've seen ever. every episode of Braillage Nights, often more than once. Um, Hashtag humble every- brag. <laughs> Does every episode of Baywatch Nights start with purchased footage and vague military <laughs> voices over radio? Because the two we've watched start exactly the same way with shit they could never capture themselves, never want to, and just people talking over a radio about it. Well, you know what this reminded me of? This this reminds me of a Roger Corman production. And when I say Roger Corman production, I mean a Roger Corman production from 1996. (laughs) Not one of those things where it's like, well, Jonathan Demi's a genius. You know, Martin Scorsese outdid himself with this one. It's like, no, this looks like total garbage that you would see in a direct-to-video uh, movie uh, or, or something like that. So yeah, so the whole aesthetic is we're cutting costs and also we're a horror show. So you don't, we don't really put too much money or effort into or craft into the monsters themselves. Yeah, well, we, we can just talk the, about we can just talk about them, and people will they'll fill in with their mind something very impressive. Oh, th- this is a lot of theater of the mind that's happening here. So uh, we only watch the YouTube rips of Baywatch Nights, which are in German. So we start on Vulcanam Vadasville Glacier Island. Um, I don't know why island isn't in German. Is there not a German word for island? Who can say? Yeah, but- I, I did. I did learn that that the German word for California is Californian. <laughs> Nailed it in one Germany. Well, if there's, a ger- if there's a German word, I'm sure it's uh, coarse and guttural. <laughs> uh, one of the voices on the radio that isn't Teague says the following: "This eruption is really something. Just <laughs> riveting shit." <laughs> See, that's specificity, man. That's what you want. You want, ooh, conjures up something in the mind. Yes. And of course, our old exceptionally useless pal Teague is on the quote unquote scene, or at least speaking (laughs) on an open channel about an amazing discovery that is also described as by that same guy, 
quite something. <laughs> can can, can uh, I give away the ending of Baywatch Nights at this moment? <laughs> like the series in total or the, just the series this in total, because this is so beautiful. I love Teague. He's so wonderfully, wonderfully pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been basically the, the government, and he's a shadowy shadow government. Yeah. Uh, and maybe he's an extraterrestrial or something. Like, you don't know what he does, except force these lifeguards to turn into <laughs> characters from the X-Files. Off-duty lifeguards, and you're like, what is happening? Off-duty. What is happening? This is so weird this is so confusing uh-huh. um and then in the final <laughs> and the final shot of the final episode and they probably realize they're like yeah we're not we're not coming back is and again spoiler 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 david hasselhoff and andy harman they kiss oh my god it's so <laughs> exciting it's so sexy 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 because there's like a very satisfied look on his face and he's like my work is done here <laughs> this has all been it's, an enormous conspiracy to get these two attractive white people to smooch so it's a I, long con to get to get angie Herman to touch lips with him yeah they have they've got you know billions of dollars and it's I, I was honestly i was honestly hoping you would say he was gonna he turn into a werewolf or something <laughs> I am so that would be so much better yeah. that would be that Endless would be better but but that yeah that would that would be silly uh and as we've realized baywatch nice doesn't go in for that silly stuff no, absolutely um, not no uh, no, no, no. We, that's why they immediately after that 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 footage that they paid for, uh, <laughs> they they go to the port of San Pedro, which is really the port of L.A. But this, of course, is hard sci-fi. So <laughs> you have to you really there are certain strictures you have to adhere to. And in a very Dutch angled lab, we're told by a doctor we're not allowed to see for a very long time. I assume to hide his identity. Or it was added later that what they're doing with these frozen bodies on slabs is, quote, injecting the bodies with amino acids. And that these specimens were frozen in saline solution, (laughs) which I, Gina, I understand that the sea is salty, right? But it's not saline solution. That's not something that occurs in nature, correct? Yeah, that's something that goes into breast implants. <laughs> right. They didn't they didn't uh so something drown David and would be very in an ancient with. contact lens <laughs> factory. <laughs> well I you know I, I assume that you're know, just saying they were frozen in seawater would you know not sound quite as cool and technical. Yeah that's very true. And of course as we have if I just said this is hard sci-fi. So they really and you know it is because more, most labs aren't expensive enough to have fancy bubblers in the background <laughs> in different colors. Yeah, all they're missing is like the 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 Spencer Gifts, like like one of those electric ball lights that they were they were seeing in the eighties. <laughs> you touch, like a, yeah. yeah, like it's Doctor Frankenstein's laboratory. <laughs> Yes. Well, you guys seem skeptical, but I should uh, note that the mm-hmm. scientific technical advisor uh, for this uh, season was Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> and that he basically made his reputation ensuring that every episode of Baywatch Nights, the second season, was scientifically accurate and legitimate. This checks out based on what we've seen <laughs> yeah. so far. And of course, at this moment uh, in the opening of this of this episode... This is where we get a slow motion close up of one Sven Ole Thorsen. <laughs> um, he's our big guest star of this episode. Sven is best known for being Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double and frequent on screen punching bag in films like Conan the Barbarian and Predator and Red Heat. And he was also 
massively dubbed for his appearance as Rich Guy with Crossbow and Heart Target. <laughs> Stay tuned. Oh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. It's fantastic. And listen, Sven Oli Thorson is a presence, right? <laughs> yes. I, I don't like I see him, I get happy. There's there's a lot to like, but he's not given a lot to do. No. Well, he's and, the big, the big, uh, the big uh, Swedish looking dude. That's basically Elias. That's his entire yes. role. And he's he's given a very wiggy, wiggy wig to, <laughs> to wear on the top of his head, which doesn't quite fit. They have to put a band <laughs> around him. He looks more like old Conan the Barbarian mm. than he does an actual Viking. Or he's a stand-in for the Conan the Barbarian um, stunt spectacular experience, which once was at Universal Studios Hollywood. I have to warn our audience, if your kink is to float around a prefab science lab while ADR voices whisper <laughs> orders to one another, you might come too hard watching this episode <laughs> of Yeah, there's, there's, for whatever reason, they only have a limited time to bring the Vikings back to life. You, you forgot to mention the other Viking looks like Rob Halford of Judas Priest for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he just like, he just needs like, you know, like the, the leather cuffs and, and he he's ready to party. Yes. Um, they, 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 when they bring them back to life, they, they have a very specific number, amount of time before they just disintegrate or, or <laughs> collapse and die. Or it's, it's, like many things in this show, this is not explained why no. why they have to get this Viking back in the laboratory or he is going to die. There's a sense that things are going to go wrong if they don't go right. <laughs> and you can tell this because Teague seems to smell trouble with this operation. Otherwise, mm. why would he not call his top man an <laughs> off-duty lifeguard? Um, we also get a shot of really sweet Battlestar Galactica lasers, which are just mm. on in the background for no particular reason. Well, I also it, love that there's more like dry ice uh, in, yeah. this, in this laboratory that looks suspiciously like a, a, a very dark warehouse. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, there's more than like a, like a, like a hair metal show. It's just covered right. and covered dry ice everywhere. Yes. You get the feeling that at any second, they're going to, to turn a woman into an ape in the background. Uh, if you hand them $5. So if you took a drink every time a background actor said, stand by, your body would be 87% alcohol and we're only five minutes into this thing. I can't believe I'm recounting the plot of a plotless 46 minutes. But well, I, I also love that they don't actually introduce uh, our heroes until about 10 minutes in. They like, Are they even going to be in this episode? Come on. The the we've said before that there are certain movies and TV shows that you can just feel off screen someone just going stretch, <laughs> stretch, and this is this is the stretchiest stretch we've had so far because not only do uh, Mitch and, and Ryan not show up until the ten minute mark. The credits don't end until the 20 minute and 30 second mark. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, wait a minute, this is halfway through the episode and they're still showing the opening credits. They've had a fucking commercial break and they're right before the second act break and they're like, you know what, we should finish up the credits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
it's like a dare they gave one another. Well, again, if I remember correctly, and this kind of shows you what a surreal experimental adventure Baywatch Nights was, I mm. believe they don't actually explain how Mitch went from being a sexy lifeguard to being a, uh, a, a private eye uh, until about the seventh episode. Is, so that, for a is lot that of what it, like, he is? Because I, I don't get that. I, it, it's, I, sometimes he's a paranormal expert. Sometimes he's a historian. Like, he, yeah. You know, well, he's, 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 he's a Viking expert. And he's an expert on Viking trivia. I feel like he's like that uh, Jonathan Lipnicki character in uh, Jerry Maguire. It sure. that all of his random facts that you don't want to hear are about uh, Vikings. And in case you're mm-hmm. wondering, <laughs> his love and uh, knowledge and identification with uh, Vikings never comes up in any other episode. It's almost as if mm. they made it up whole cloth out of complete bullshit just for this. <laughs> Well, speaking of making things up, I mean, it's organic, but Um, they don't deal with it in any other episode. Sure. Uh, At one point, a scientist who's unnamed, unfaced, says the body is now entering final defrostation, which is not a word. (laughs) That is not a word. No, there is deforestation, but defrostation is not a thing that occurs naturally in English. That seems like a very cromulent phrase to me. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's a, we're we're seeing a lot of tubes not really enter bodies. They're kind of going under costumes. Why they're still dressed is a little bizarre <laughs> to me. They're really crusted with ice. And so Mitch and Ryan finally arrive. And we learn that Ryan, who's Angie Harmon, in case you're wondering who the <laughs> fuck I'm talking about. Ryan is trying to convince Mitch to take a vacation at a quote-unquote vortex in Arizona (laughs) where five people have disappeared. And he he responds with, are you trying to get rid of me? And I'm like, yes, bitch, we are. We're all (laughs) trying to get rid of you. If only. Uh, We've been trying for years. Does Ryan get a piece of the action if people book this trip? Like, (laughs) does she get a little under the table taste? If Mitch books a cabin near the vortex where five people disappeared. Well, to give you a sense of how uh, ill-conceived or poorly thought out this uh, this television show was, uh, in the first what season, you're kidding. In the first <laughs> in, in, in the first season, she becomes the owner of a trailer park question mark uh, uh-huh. that's never dealt with again. They're just like, this will be a fun and sexy place to have lots of wild and random adventures. And they're like, oh wait, no, this doesn't work at all. Ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Uh, this is the thing, though, Nathan, that you don't quite understand about living near the beach in California. <laughs> That's true. We all kind of own a trailer park. That's just <laughs> something we do. It's just part of being the coastal elite near the shore. Um, so uh, when they arrive, Teague immediately looks at them and says, you're going to love this. Why? <laughs> what about this situation is something that anyone, nevertheless, these two people would love. Also, why did he call them? I don't know. Like, what is, why? Like, he, know, like, he knows. You got to check he, this he, out. I need an audience. No, I can't talk to anybody. He's been else there this? the whole time. So he was there when they, when they found the Vikings. So what is he calling them in to investigate? I, I don't know. It's well, like it's, to double I, check the science. What the fuck does it? it does, <laughs> what is the contract between Teague and Mitch in, you know, investigations? Like, are they paid hourly? Is it a day rate? 
what does their NDA look like? Uh, are they, uh, or is this like a Scooby-Doo situation where he just calls the gang in and they're like, well, we don't have anything else to do on a Tuesday. Let's go see them wake up some fucking Vikings. It's uh, it's kind of got a uh, Charlie's Angels uh, kind of thing going on there. But Charlie's Angels is a fucking business. That's a business with a storefront and a business manager and a guy who's paying the bills. That's established right away. I don't know who's paying for any of this. <laughs> Who is keeping Mitch in Adidas-themed leather jackets, Nathan? <laughs> that is, that is a, a damn good question. Uh, maybe God? Maybe there's some sort of angel, this. Season three, it'll be revealed that they're wor- they're working for God himself. <laughs> that would make so much more sense than anything that is presented in this hour of television. Um, they watch nights three, Highway to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect evolution. So Sven, of course. Uh, is the first to wake up out of the... Well, let's assume his name really is Sven. I mean, what else am I... I I guess I can come up with other monikers for him. Let's hope that I can do that along the way. But he wakes up and he isn't awake for more than 10 seconds before he starts tossing extras. My favorite reaction is when, when someone, again, in ADR says, give him space. <laughs> give him space. Give, give the newly awoken 900 year old Viking space. Well, I love how nonplussed they are by the fact that these Vikings come back to life and immediately start acting like Thor. Uh, Thor, the superhero, and that they have superhuman powers and abilities. Yeah, I mean, have y'all ever like been sick in bed for a couple days and try to get out of bed, and suddenly it's like I forgot how to leg. Yeah. But but well, somehow they're not shooting you up with amino acids, Gina. If someone was giving you a fat tube of green amino acids straight to your chest, you would be bent pressing extras. Like is, it's is, that going out like, of is that some like? Is that some like? Whatever the fuck his name uh, from from Reanimator is that like some some of his patented juice? <laughs> I would love to think Herm- so. Her- Herbert West. Uh, Herbert West. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's the only thing that is missing from the Reanimator series is well, uh, of unfrozen Viking running around. <laughs> and my absolute favorite part of this segment because every segment has a new favorite part. Yeah. But I love the idea that they've brought these two guys one in there to unfreeze. But they've also made sure to bring this fella's sword there. <laughs> Why do you need to bring a sword to a lab? Well, they have a sword. They have his, they have his little helmet. Yes. Why? Well, when, when, he, when he wakes up and starts flipping the fuck out, he wants it to be comfortable. He wants to do things that are familiar. Sure. You know? Swords. It's, yeah, Pets. for sure. And, and you always, mm-hmm. if somebody, you know, is eight feet tall and has, you know, muscles of steel, you want them to have a weapon nearby. Sure. No, because he needs a way to defend himself. Uh, yeah. With just his bare fits, there's there's no way that he could hold people up. So <laughs> uh, this is where we get the Baywatch Nights opening. The, the, the credits have both begun and not ended. But we get a title card, which includes hot sacks. And I, I, Hasselhoff makes a promise here as the Baywatch Nights title card comes up. And we mentioned this last time. But now seeing it a second time, he says, your nights will never be the same. And I got to say, 
my nights have largely stayed the same since <laughs> this promise was made. It has not He's changed got, he, fundamentally. And he and he kind of says it in that sort of lower register. I'm trying to be sexy voice. Like, yes. like your nights will never be the same. It's your like what will never be the same. Why are you trying to seduce me, David Hasselhoff, in this frozen, unfrozen Viking episode of television? Wait till you see these tubes, Gina. But do you watch me walk around a wharf for you're not gonna 25 believe. fucking minutes? You're well, not going to believe it when a guy slaps another guy in the face with a fish like a three <laughs> But I, I also love the idea of some like stoned, horny dude at 10.30 at night being like, I'm excited to be jerking off to the sexy, sexy Baywatch show. Let me see the Pamela Anderson tits. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Vikings? What? No. <laughs> Is this a bad dream, Mom? What's <laughs> happening to me? No. Um. Yeah. So, um, th- th- give him space. Someone yells as yeah. Gina noted. <laughs> if you're gonna, is someone turning the chair around like that one guy in, in a Nightmare on Elm Street two who tells Freddy to calm down? you in the backyard. It's like something you say to a child who's throwing a tantrum because he doesn't want to take a bath. Give him a space. Let him get whoa, it out whoa, whoa, of the system. <laughs> listen, listen, we're all adults here, recently unfrozen person. Like, come on. <laughs> well, there, there are a but, lot of variables, you know? Nobody yes. really knows what the protocol is when an unfrozen Viking warrior yeah, it, it is interesting with his sword. It's interesting that they have not planned, despite this entire laboratory existing to wake these Vikings up, Yeah, nobody is prepared for what happens when the Vikings wake up. No, no one came with like an easy translation book. I was going to say, there's like. no one there who knows how to speak. Uh, I guess would be Old Norse. There's, <laughs> there's like, you know, there's just no. Everybody's suddenly shocked at the thing that they were preparing to happen actually happened. But someone does yell, "Ring the alarm!" And this <laughs> alerts Sven, which, which prompted me to think: Does unfrozen caveman patient zero understand? the word alarm because he instantly <laughs> acts like it. Well, he's instinctive. You know, he's got really good reflexes. That's how he's able to be a top Viking warrior. The word for alarm in Old Norse is just alarm, but with an umlaut over one case. <laughs> alarm. 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 <laughs> it's like you probably find one in Ikea right now. So um, Teague instantly does what he does best, which is open his tiny flip phone and it's adorable. <laughs> Uh, and so unfrozen caveman dock worker begins <laughs> haunting the wharf um, because it's slow. And his walk is slowed down like every episode of Baywatch Nights, mm. trying to stretch this <laughs> Scooby-Doo episode in 46 minutes. And so he begins making a way, his way around the port with the Viking helmet on that he somehow escaped a locked door with. We don't know how. Maybe he picked it with a sword. And the question becomes for the both of you, who did he kill who was wearing that helmet because he wasn't (laughs) frozen with it? That is a good... I think that might be the one plot hole uh, in the (laughs) one episode and in the history of Baywatch Nights as well. Although, again, Neil uh, deGrasse uh, Tyson, he did his job. This is impeccable. As as if everything else was watertight. In the, in, <laughs> exactly. Hard exactly. sci-fi, Gina. Hard sci-fi. Hardest of sci-fi. So it is at this moment that the 
the the show begins to put us in the headspace of unfrozen caveman observer because it is no longer in Viking Kansas anymore. He looks up at the sky, sun. He you see his ear and birds, and then he goes <laughs> smells. And like I get it, he has five senses. He was just unfrozen. He's not a fucking mutant. I I, I get it, <laughs> Mitch runs into action of course as we're, we're cutting back and forth from a guy wandering around a wharf to the inside of this now decimated scientific structure mitch uh holds a guy's stomach who's just been slashed by a sword and says just keep breathing good advice that's going to help that guy out so much because the one thing you kind of forget to do when you're gutted by a fucking Viking sword <laughs> is continue breathing. Yeah, and then he argues with uh, with Teague. Why can't you just, why don't you just call 911? Let them deal with it. Sure. <laughs> Report an unfrozen Viking to 911. Yes. But <laughs> this is a moment of truth like uh, that I kind of like because Teague goes to, to Mitch, goes, you know what they're going to do. So way back in 1990 something, they're like, well, if the police show up, they're just going to shoot that fucker. They're going to shoot everybody. Let's not bring the police into this. So, I mean, hard sci-fi, Gina. Like there's a lot of reality going on here. Sure. I sure do hope that more people ask Teague um, why they unfroze the unfrozen <laughs> caveman popsicle because he never answers why. Like, we've been asking why. This is, of all of the crazy schemes we have uncovered here on the show, Jane, over nearly seven years, this is the hardest transition from unfrozen caveman Viking <laughs> to dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign I've ever encountered. Like, where do you take this technology that you eventually make money at it? Yeah, yeah, it's I, this is there's so much information <laughs> that uh -huh. appears to be missing from this episode that that would not necessarily make it any better, <laughs> but would right. but would certainly make it more coherent. I. Watching it is an interesting experience. It feels like you you fall asleep at various times, <laughs> and then you wake up and it's an it's another scene. You know, uh -huh. and, and like I was like, okay, I, I I missed something here. What have I missed? Like at one point, uh, I'm, I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, mm -hmm. but but Ryan, uh, uh, Angie Harmon's character, has suddenly out of nowhere developed an attachment to 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 the Rob Halford Viking who has been temporarily left behind. Of course, he's going to yes. wake up eventually too. Sure. But yeah. but like, you know, when he does, she also, she's like, you know, Oh, you can't just kill them. You know, <laughs> you know, they're, and when he, when Why he not? wakes up, she's all like, <laughs> you know, mothering him and like, you know, fixing his wound. And of course he makes some kind of weird pass at her that I can't really figure out what the hell he's trying to do. And, <laughs> and she, like all well, of a sudden there's, this? The, the safety of these Vikings, you know, that she is, you know, whose existence she's just known about 20 minutes ago is, is suddenly, you know, you know, very important to her. And I'm like, yes. okay, I, I missed something here. <laughs> I think you miss uh, the script, which should have told <laughs> us a lot of stuff. But instead, we get entire sequences where unfrozen caveman pedestrian tries to murder a semi truck. It just it's something that happens, and no one comments on it. And well, he's, there's he's, no 
He's very confused by our modern ways. He's sort of True. like unfrozen caveman lawyer. Uh, yes. Wonderful Phil Hartman uh, character, except uh, unintentionally comic, <laughs> uh, whereas he was supposed to be funny. Yeah, I, I, I have to assume, Patrick, uh, that, that yeah. he would run into, he would encounter encounter more people in his journey than a homeless man and and two cartoon characters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, he never runs into another big guest star in this episode, and that is Mega Forces and Knight Rider star Edward Mulhair <laughs> as Dr. Ken Unfreeze Him If You Got Him Lancaster, <laughs> who apparently knows Mitch somehow. Like, did he... <laughs> Yeah, that's another, that's another thing I, I, I miss. Like, okay, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, I Honestly, the, the only reason to have him is because they were on Knight Rider together and they don't really share an actual scene with one another. Like, it, Hasselhoff walks in front of him saying a line and it's kind of like, yeah, I know that guy. Why don't you talk to one another? Why didn't anyone, if they, if they're the whole idea was to reunite the cast of Knight Rider, maybe have them have a fucking conversation. But this, the show is like, mm, we've got too much action going on for that. <laughs> and cut to action. It's the guy wandering around a wharf. You think, you think that his character was there to provide exposition, and and mm. this might be the most exposition free action, science fiction, horror TV show I've ever seen. <laughs> it is it really just unfrozen caveman urban explorer being astounded <laughs> by a modern quote-unquote wharf. Yeah. He doesn't try talking to anybody. He doesn't try communicating. He's I, just I, I love sword the, at the ready the whole time. I also love the the homeless man who is basically like a, a, a bum out of like an old Warner Brothers cartoon. Sure, uh, like yes. a loony. Like you'd think he'd have like a like a bottle of liquor with like a big X on it. If he smelled the pie, he would start floating in the air. Like he's that car out of cartoon. Or like where he like he like looks at his bottle with the X on and says like I quit. He's like, wow. <laughs> Instead, he asked this giant Viking for money. Like, <laughs> what, what fucking money does this guy have? He has a giant horns on his head. He's either an unfrozen Viking or he just spent all his dough at Party City. There's nothing in between that this person could be. And he's like, I don't know, you might have a quarter. <laughs> so, uh, the big plan here is like thank god Tink called Mitch and Ryan into this because he hands Mitch a fucking net gun a like, giant he, like he's catching <laughs> like, like he's been assigned to catch a raptor or something <laughs> have you ever heard the phrase net gun before um, like I'm familiar I, with the concept, but again, this whole idea of like, oh, that's a different kind of firearm, the kind that fires right. and that. Again, this is one of many things that seems to belong in either a, a, a circus or yeah. some manner of 1930s cartoon. The only other time I've really seen it in actions, we we covered um, oh the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he's in a game show, but there's the running man. people, the running man. At one point in The Running Man, he always he almost makes it onto a plane going to Mexico, and the TV station pulls up, and they've got a SWAT team, and they shoot him with this net gun, which makes sense because he's not fucking armed. But we all know that Unfrozen Caveman MapQuest 
is armed with a giant goddamn sword. So giving him a net gun is really a bad idea. And guess what, <laughs> folks? It turns out it is. But we're not there yet. There's so much more <laughs> plot to lay out here. Is, that, it, pl- is it plot, though? <laughs> there's no time that I, I, I took the time to write down. A lot of stuff happens in this movie. A lot and, of and stuff, stuff, stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of stuff both happens and unhappens. It's just like... It's <laughs> Um, so Mitch, Mitch is like, this is a job that's too hard for me. I got to call in this younger doppelganger of mine named Griff. So he shows up because I guess the episode was at a deficit for dimples. <laughs> and so they're like, he comes, he comes in. It's like, and he wanders behind Mitch, like a lost puppy going, what are we doing? And Mitch is like, I'm holding this net gun and I'm giving you tidbits of what Vikings did. <laughs> and that's the next five to 10 minutes. Yeah. I, I like that grip Griff's uh, uh, insightful comment about the situation is, wow, that's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, Gina. That's the thing. Like it strikes home because it's so observant. Hard sci-fi. <laughs> this is at the moment where I noticed that 18 minutes in, they were still showing credits. Um, Hasselhoff was really attempting to deliver every line of dialogue <laughs> through a clinched jaw. It's almost like an acting workshop where everyone has TMJ. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the the show hits that moment. Where you're like, oh, I know why they went through the trouble of doing this. And that is when Tom Dreesen shows up <laughs> to play a cartoon fisherman with his cartoon buddy who have a vaguely racist conversation about how football isn't the same anymore. And you know what they're meaning. It's, it's really coming across. Yeah, ha- uh, ha- half of their half of their dialogue again appears to be ADR, yeah. uh, uh, such as uh, you, you you better just let him you better just let him take that fish, which is <laughs> well, said, I mean, said by an entirely different actor, presumably a hundred miles away, and six weeks later. Well, I yes. love I love that I, I that I, I discerned a a uh, an inside joke uh, in the sequence because they said, "Hey, you know, uh, you lose all your money. Like you don't." He tells Tom Dreesen, "You don't even like Chicago," uh, and of course, Tom Dreesen is is a resident of Chicago and has a wow. very very thick accent and is known for two things: uh, name dropping Frank Sinatra, who he spent <laughs> many many decades opening for, and being from Chicago and uh, having a bit part on Baywatch nights for some reason. Question mark. Uh, well, and work is work. There's nothing that people in Chicago love more than Vikings. Um, <laughs> it's just it's a, it's a one-to-one thing. Um, so um, it, while this is while this confrontation is happening, we're cutting back to Griff and Mitch. Uh, and Griff asks, how do you know all this stuff about Vikings? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Because... <laughs> Because, I mean, Vikings, while I don't have a ton of tidbits about, they're also not exactly a state secret. You know what I mean? Like, learn stuff about Vikings. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that, that, that Mitch knows is pretty basic stuff like, you know, Valhalla and how you give someone a Viking burial. 
where yeah. he actually means a Viking funeral. <laughs> yes. Evidently, the the uh, the scriptwriter did not realize that's actually two different things, and that there's <laughs> no burying involved in a Viking funeral. But mm-hmm. like you know, he, Mitch takes Viking lore very seriously <laughs> because, and I I basically said, "Oh fuck you!" Like out loud was <laughs> in, a, in another life, I might have been. And, and I'm just like, <laughs> I love that so much. Wow. Wow. Why do I feel like he wrote that lie for himself? Can I actually can I actually point out another uh fascinating yet uh, incredibly boring tidbit? Sure. Uh, from there's so this uh, episode is written by uh, a brother uh, set of uh, screenwriters, uh Carrie Hayes and Chad Hayes, uh, mm-hmm. who were identical twins, uh who in there uh, went from being uh, double met twins. Which is kind of fascinating to doing the uh, the trick writing in the movie 1986 movie Rad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you guys seen the 19? Uh, I I am familiar with Rad. It's yes. a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> you should go and see it now immediately. And then uh, you guys should appreciate this. They uh, went on to write little movies like well, I don't know House of Wax, The Reaping, uh, The Conjuring, yeah. Annabelle, The Conjuring. Okay, I'll see. I'll see. That was actually a good movie. The crucifixion, yeah, yeah. yeah, they they went on to have quite the quite the career uh, as as big time horror screenwriters. When when the phrase is you started from the bottom, you really <laughs> don't think how deep the bottom is until the bottom was <laughs> Baywatch Nights. Pretty and much, yeah. Secondly, if there's any future T-shirt for the show, I am familiar with Rad. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's true, but oof. My question to you, Nathan, is what would your Viking prayer be? Because I'm unimpressed with what the quote-unquote English one is. (laughs) Not that there were English people necessarily when Vikings were a real deal. Uh, I would say, dear Viking God, help me do Viking stuff. And uh, (laughs) maybe not die within the next couple of hours. I'm I'm setting setting my, my targets pretty low. (laughs) <laughs> the Viking prayer they were they recite here is kind of like, oh shit! I hope I don't get killed by a Viking. That's not a <laughs> prayer, really. That's just a, a request, expressing uh, a reasonable desire. Yeah, <laughs> you just, I just don't think you're dropping to your knees and saying that one in church. You know what I mean? So let's talk common sense here for a second. Mm. Tom Dreesen and company of one are not fans of unfrozen caveman sushi lover eating their fresh cat raw. <laughs> no. So they decide to walk over to Sven Ole Thorson, <laughs> a man the size of a Ford fucking Bronco, and threaten him with physical violence. <laughs> and I don't care how goofy that costume is. He could crush you. And you don't need to be a rocket science to figure this out. Like, he is many feet taller than both of them. <laughs> And then he just starts tossing them around like it's on the set of Cannonball Run. And well, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger's much larger friend. A much larger, <laughs> more powerful friend. That should give you a sense of what a big dude this is. Yeah, I do yeah. I do like that when um uh, Mitch and Griff show up, you can also you can you can you get another splendid moment of ADR by someone saying, No. <laughs> <laughs> so Un, uh, uh, after he dispatches the two, uh, you know, and unfortunately doesn't kill them. They just run away. The two fishermen, um, unfrozen caveman stunt guy just tosses around Mitch and Griff. 
No, well, and he, 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 he should because Mitch tries to talk to him in that, you know, I know you don't speak English, <laughs> but perhaps if I talk slowly and loudly, you might understand what I'm saying. I toss him around too. Please like, you know, the don't of- murder me with <laughs> that sword. It's like the people of Germany don't understand what I'm saying either, but they sense it. They can feel it. <laughs> right. Similar he's, dynamic as I play here. He's reached across the Atlantic and, and you know, been able to harness the power of two nations and make them one. Surely he has the power to talk down this, you know, unfrozen caveman uh, linguist. And so... <laughs> I don't, he, he picks them both up, slams them against the fish truck and tosses them the same way. Both times, both of them get the same maneuver and then wanders away for reasons. I don't particularly know why not just murderize both of them, but he doesn't because he's got better things to wander around. I guess cut back to Dr. Frankenfrozen weenie. So he, he's like, um, he talk. he comes up to Brian and goes, Hey, just so you know, I have to go, but <laughs> I'm gonna leave you in charge of this. You got you got all you got all this underhand, right? Like you you can figure this out, right? <laughs> There's two unfrozen Vikings. Like <laughs> you, just, I, I love be, I love I love too that they did not learn from the experience of a unfrozen Viking coming alive and instantly becoming a superhero. They're yeah. like, he's got a knife in his arm. So that's really good. Should God forbid he come back to life immediately? There's no way he's just gonna yank that off and start threatening us with it. It's like no, 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 no. you guys are It'll very, be fine. you guys are not the world's smartest scientists. Uh, no, no, no. Scientists. The other question I really have for him at this moment is he's just unfrozen a person after centuries. It is a rather groundbreaking experiment yeah. that he's been a part of. Where else does he have to be right now? <laughs> well, he's, like, yeah, has he, he got a mall opening to attend? Like a grandchild's doing a ballet he has recital? A, he has a, a jazzercise. Class. He's been invited to a timeshare seminar. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, my wife's going to kill me if I don't make it to home by, <laughs> at dinner by six. She's invited the neighbors and it's really important. So I got to bounce. You New person who I've never seen before who's hanging out with an off-duty lifeguard, <laughs> you've got this science experiment now, right? You're cool with this? Bye! <laughs> well, I think there's also there's a bit of a meta moment where the whole uh, show is just throwing random-ass shit at uh, Angie Harmon and seeing whether or not she can handle it. And sure. this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, example of that where they just give her the most random, ridiculous shit in the world. And she somehow manages to deliver it all without laughing uproariously <laughs> and i'm amazed at how unbelievably stupid the premise of this is and nobody points that out nobody wants mm-hmm. how ridiculous as it is everybody just accepts like oh this is a universe where sometimes vikings just become unfrozen and then run amok yeah. and and that's just the reality that we're dealing with you don't have to think about how it happened why it happened what the ramifications are let's just live in the moment and she's looking <laughs> at this 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 still frozen viking as opposed to unfrozen viking and she's just looking at him tenderly, like, like, you know, this is suddenly, you know, this is her baby now. She's in, she's in charge of whatever happens to him. And she's like, why are you fighting? Why are you on a boat? <laughs> why do you want to know? <laughs> he's, 
and like, why not wait until he wakes up and ask him in a language he doesn't understand? And she all like, she says, and he has a knife in his shoulder, but I see where that knife is. A shoulder is at least four inches north on a human being. That that knife is in his fucking heart. He should not be operational once he wakes up. <laughs> like you gotta you gotta do something to that before you wake him up. But of course they can't do that. We learn from one of the doctors because he says the computers are in charge, and she's like, "So what you're gonna do about that?" He's like, "I think we're gonna try to shut him down." <laughs> well, you know, like, is there a plug? unplug them from the wall try that one instead instead of like tippy tapping on computers without any screens attached to them it's just a bunch of blinking lights unplug them from the wall <laughs> um we have a very uneventful chase between <laughs> unfrozen caveman tag chaser and he decides at one point after tossing the hoff around that <laughs> This shit just isn't worth it. And he just walks out of a room. He's just like, he's about to murder him. He's like, you know what? I just, today's been a lot. And he just walks the fuck out of that room. And I've never felt more closely aligned with the character in Baywatch Nights than I was in that moment. Um, so, unfortunately, no one unplugs the computers. The Now we have two unfrozen caveman grudge fighters. And this is when, via phone call, Ryan goes, can you figure out why these guys were in a tiny boat together? And he's like, um, let me think here. Oh, blood feud. They were definitely in a blood <laughs> feud where you shove two guys out in a tiny boat and you just let them work it out with swords and maybe one of them comes back. <laughs> like, I... We could have we could have wrapped that bad boy up real soon, like at the beginning of this episode, but okay. Um... It, it's also said in such a way like, oh, it's a, probably a blood feud as opposed to <laughs> what would be the other solution, which is a celebrity family feud where they ask 100 people to answer questions <laughs> and to pick the top five answers. And one of them is probably kind of sexy that you can get away with on ABC. <laughs> and so once they get back in the same room where they fucking started. So this, this episode is literally a fucking circle. <laughs> they too, they begin to commence a very spark filled sword fight with one another. And then Ryan's like, Oh no, they're going to kill one another. <laughs> and Mitch is like, yeah, that's their thing. They're into it. You can't reach Valhalla without like engaging in combat. And she's like, oh, okay. And then knowing, answering this question, he goes, let me get involved in this. Grab me that broom. I'll, I'll take care of this. So <laughs> these two are having a sparking sword fight. He's like, between me and a broom, I think I can handle this. <laughs> oh my God. He, he literally brooms Sven Ole Thorson's face. Sven does not enjoy this at all. He, he kicks him in the back with the broom and somehow this is effective. <laughs> like, like, he survived being unfrozen. He's literally lifted people off the ground. He attacked a semi-truck. I just don't think a broom <laughs> is going to be what brings this guy down. Yeah, he's, he's built like a Mack truck. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I'm not getting that he'd be destroyed by a broom. Yeah. Um, although when they first entered the room, <laughs> Griff is like, oh, thank God you're here. Have you seen them? And Mitch says, <laughs> no. It's one room. This isn't, this isn't like, the fucking library of, of Congress. <laughs> it's like, go to where this sparking sword fight is, where the two guys are grunting with effort, trying to kill one another with swords. That would probably be the clue you're looking for. And so somehow Mitch begins to lose this broom on Hulk fight that he's having. <laughs> and the other unfrozen guy throws a sword into Sven Ole Thorson's back. And Sven's like, you know what? I, I don't know why you woke me up, but I'm happy to be going. Okay. And he falls <laughs> on the ground. And then the other guy goes, oh, 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 ook, 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 ook. And Mitch is like, oh, yeah, he needs a sword. Otherwise, he can't enter Valhalla. And he gives it to him. <laughs> and they all look around like, man, what are we going to do tomorrow? Are we going to Spires <laughs> after this? This is a lot. Mitch and Ryan are like near tears over these, like, these noble Vikings. Yeah, you know, they're they're you know laying down their lives as part of the you know to get into Valhalla. Yeah, I I do enjoy the way he tries to pick up Ryan, which is he's he's to her her immediate right, and so he picks up her right arm, which is across her entire body, and then tries to fireman carry her, and he can't do that. He does not have the core strength to do that at this moment in time, and I don't blame him. He's approaching this. All wrong. Just scoop her up like a bride. You're taking over, you know, into a new house. You don't need to fireman carry this woman. She is literally almost as tall as you. Don't do that. But they fight. They fucking figure it out. Both Vikings are dead. And then finally we've reached the knights portion of Baywatch <laughs> Knights. They're out in the middle of the wharf and... Every responsible government individual had just beat fucking feet out of there. Yeah, they're they're totally like, they're totally fine with just leaving these these unfro these unfrozen Viking corpses behind. <laughs> they don't they don't yeah. they don't need them for they they all apparently whatever they needed them for they they had to be alive. They they they're 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 still you know there's there's no use for for research purposes once they have died. Well, well I, can, I think the computers got everything that they needed uh, yeah, from sure. the, the well, hour and a half the, that they were still frozen. But the 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 computers also died in in sparky explosions because they were beat with swords for five full minutes. So that that's also they might want a backup tape, is what I'm saying. Just like maybe hold on to those bodies, but no, 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 no. <laughs> Mitch has a plan. Put them on a wood raft. Push them off a wharf into the middle of San Pedro Bay. And all of a sudden, this off-duty lifeguard is a fucking flaming arrow marksman and rips one off and lands on lands on that, that little barge, and they go up in flame, and he and Ryan just hug one another because it's been one of those fucking days, and... It's like, it's, it's like they just, it's like they just put a family pet to sleep. They're just like, bye. We'll miss, we'll miss you on Frozen Vikings. <laughs> they're they're, they're like pets, have, you know. Yeah, it didn't have to end this way, but it also didn't have to start that way. It's 
it's a real why the fuck did this happen experience. That's for damn sure. And that, of course, brings us to another decision we have to make. Choose your own death venture. And that is where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this episode. If you were to die in one of those ways, which one would you choose and why? Up to bat first, we have die in a tiny boat with a friend you don't like (laughs) and get frozen. Second is get stabbed in the front. Or you can get stabbed in the back with a sword. And so, Nathan, you are our guest, and I choose you to go first. Well, I'm going to, I'm a coward, uh, so I'm going Mm -hmm. to choose getting stabbed in the back because I couldn't see it coming, and hopefully it would be uh, quick and and painless. And I would want, I would give me so much dignity if David Hasselhoff would place a Viking sword in my hands so that (laughs) I can go to Valhalla. Which sure. is what Insane Clone Posse calls Shangri-La. Uh, <laughs> which I understand you Christians call heaven. <laughs> um, now, how are you going to look in that fur mankini that he's wearing? Is that a look you can rock? Uh, I think it's flattering. You know, I think okay. I've, got, I've, got, I've got the the, the physique for it. Sure. Oh, well, good I, for I've been you. told I got to ask Sven uh, Thorson like swag about me. <laughs> We've been mistaken on multiple occasions. <laughs> uh, Gina, what say you? Uh, I am going to take stab in the back as well because you know, but mostly because up to right before I die, I, I get a little sunshine. I get to enjoy some sushi. It seems like a you know pretty good last couple hours <laughs> sure. of my life. Makes perfect sense. I there's no way in hell I'm just launching off in a in a tiny boat with a guy who doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to do that with a guy who does like me. So, yeah, I'm just going to get stabbed in the back. That's perfectly fine with me. That's that's a way to go. That's why I hope to go. Stabbed in the back with a sword in my sleep. Put it on the <laughs> obituary right now. Um, so that just about wraps it up. But, of course, before we go anywhere, we want to do a bit of plugs. Nathan, why don't you tell people where they can read more of your stuff right sure, now? Sure, sure, sure. I have a website called Nathan Raven's Happy Place where I do most of my stuff. Uh, I've even written about uh, Baywatch Nights. Uh, mm-hmm. Multiple episodes and sort of I think about Alex as a whole. I have a book out called uh, The Joy of Trash, uh, the Flaming Garbage Fire Extended Edition in which I write about both seasons of Baywatch Nights. Uh, and there are 52 uh, comic essays about things that are terrible, yet uh, fascinating to think about and to eviscerate. Uh, and yeah, it begins with Joan Crawford's Guide to Life. Uh, and it ends with me going to a Blues Brothers convention in which James <laughs> Belushi, uh, as one of the Blues Brothers, is, is, mm-hmm. the, uh, is, is, the, uh, is the climactic performer. And in between, there's kind of this whole world of failure. Uh, that sure. I find very fascinating and I cannot recommend it highly enough. You can buy it from my website, uh, neitherinvent.com, uh, the shop, I'll sign it and hardcover and all sorts of fancy deals and whatnot. And then I have a Substack, stack, uh, Nathan Rabin's Bad Ideas. Uh, and I just finished writing about all of the Ernest P. Worrell uh, <laughs> movies. If you want to talk about Ernest Scared Stupid, uh, I'm overqualified uh, to talk about that as well. And then I've got a podcast with Clint Worthington uh, called Travolta Cage, where we talk about all of Travolta Cage's movies. And right now we're in a hideous nadir. Uh, it's the <laughs> mid-2015s and oh boy, have things gotten uh, dark, 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 dark. Uh, so, and then you can find me on Twitter at uh, Nathan Raven. 
Do it today. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about television and movies at theschool.net. Uh, I too have a Substack. It's uh, Gina Watches Things.substack.com. And you can also find me on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Do it today. People check it out. You can, of course, uh, find us on all the socials, uh, whether we want to or not. We're, we're still around there. I don't want to be necessarily. It, it feels like participating in a, a very bad system, but this is the system I found myself in. And of course, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork um, and all of our uh, themes and remixes can be found at Memphis, uh, Revenge Body Memphis at bandcamp.com. Do it today. Um, and so that is where we find ourselves, people. We uh, now usually, um, uh, and this is when we start wrapping things up in terms of our side episodes because we are entering the month of April, and that means it's time for Animal Attacks April, where we talk about movies in which animals bite people to death and we laugh at them. <laughs> uh, not the animals, they're doing the right thing. It's the people we're laughing at. Um, and uh, we've got a, a real good one to start with. And guess what, folks? It, if Unless you have the out-of-print uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray, you're probably going to be watching this one on YouTube as well. It's called Deadly Eyes. And we've got a great guest for it. And I think you're going, the Deadly Eyes is one we've been ramping up to this whole time because it is one of the, the few deadly rat movies in which a, a baby gets it. So uh, if that's going to be hard for you, just download the episode and don't listen to it. But I think we're going to make it funny as it is. Uh, that's Deadly Eyes from 1982 in which uh, semi-giant rats, uh, which are really just small dogs dressed in rat <laughs> costumes. And when they run, it's fucking adorable. Uh, so get ready for that next week. That's uh, as uh, we start. From, the, from the director of Enter the Dragon. <laughs> right, exactly. <It's laughs> overqualified for a deadly rat movie. <laughs> and Tim uh, Cotto. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So those are the two that he puts on his resume. He uh, goes it, from Deadly Eyes to Jim Cotta. That, that's the thing. Like this, this is a stepping stone to Jim Cotta. So, if you're a fan of Jim Cotta, just wait till you get a hold of Deadly Eyes. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for Animal and Tanks April. Uh, but that just about does it. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and Gina and Nathan. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.